You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. When talking about our mortal bodies, when talking about our physical bodies, the Apostle Paul, who was a tent maker, he compared it to a tent, a kind of temporary residence, a temporary domicile, which if you compare it to a building, if you compare it to a brick and mortar house, is in every way fragile. And he was making a case for reconciliation with God. He was making a case for eternity. He was making a case for a life with God that lasts beyond our mortal bodies. And when making a case for it, he, he said this sentence, this one-liner, that in a simple way addressed a lot of our conflicts, a lot of our struggles within our soul. He said this, for we walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. This simple statement addresses a lot of the struggles and a lot of the conflict that we have in our soul. Whether you're a religious person, whether you're not a religious person, whether you affiliate yourself with a certain church or not, maybe you didn't even grow up in church, maybe this is your first time in a, in a room like this where we turn a school into a church auditorium. Did you know that Ripple One Middle School is a church on the weekends? Now you know. Whether you, you're part of that culture that you were brought up that way or not, this is something that you struggle with. This is something that you, that you wrestle with, and we will see that. Now, here's a question. Are you living by faith, or are you living by sight? For most of us, that's even an, a, a, a question hard to answer. Most of us don't really know how to answer that. Now, I find it unfortunate that Christianity has come to be considered by some as a kind of religion that is about do's and don'ts. And for many people, do's is spelled D-E-S. It's what you owe. It's what you have to pay back. It's about your debt. In the same way, it's very unfortunate that faith is a concept that in many people's minds seems to affirm what we know is not true. For many people, faith is believing in something you know will probably never happen. That's what faith is. You just have to believe in that which you know your chances of making it are next to none. But if you have faith, maybe you might accomplish that. When in fact, Christianity has a much simpler concept and a much larger commitment than a simply than simply following a list of do's and don'ts. Christianity is following Jesus. Christianity is becoming like Jesus. Christianity is thinking like Jesus, is loving people like Jesus loves people, is revealing God like he did when he walked on this earth. That's what Christianity is about. And faith, faith is not replacing reason with fantasies. Faith, in fact, shapes reason. It shapes our reason, and it shapes our direction. Now, this is very well represented in the life of Joseph. Joseph is a character in scriptures who stands in between two giants of faith, 
Joseph stands in between Abraham and Moses. He is Abraham's great-grandchild, and he is Moses' great-granduncle. Now, Joseph comes into the picture in Scripture at a time where their family lineage really didn't have any significance. Before we knew of Abraham, before anybody knew of Moses, before Moses was even a person, Joseph appears in history. Now, their, their lineage didn't have any significance. They were, they were nothing but a family with cattle and dreams. They had a promise. And Joseph... Before all that, he was a kid. He was a 17-year-old kid who was brought up in the ways of faith. He was a 17-year-old kid who knew that his very life, his very existence was the result of faith. It was because his great-grandfather, who when he was very old, and when his great-grandmother had already passed the age of conception, she was already in menopause, had a dream that they were going to have a baby. Now, these two were childless. They didn't have kids. And God made a promise to Abraham, if you know the story, that through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed through his son. Now, they laughed, but then they believed. And along came Isaac. And Isaac was the son of the promise, but he was one person, one baby. Now, Isaac, at 40 years old, marries Rebecca. Rebecca is barren, can't have kids. But they pray, they believe in the promise. And she conceives, not one, but two, Jacob and Esau. Now, Joseph knew all this. This is part of his history. This is part of his lineage. And he knew that his father, Jacob, before he even met Rachel, his mother, Jacob, before he even found his wife, before he ever had a hope to have a child, he was running away. He was out of his father's house, running from his brother. They were at odds. And in the middle of his traveling, running away, God appears to him in a dream, just like Abraham, confirming the promise. We're not only confirming the promise. This is what God tells Jacob, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. You find that in Genesis 28, 15. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And so Jacob has 12 sons. Joseph is number 11. And Joseph, just like Abraham, just like Jacob, he also has a dream. He dreams. And he tells his brothers his dream. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up. And your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. How about that? See, here's the problem. Jacob, uh, Joseph was the errand boy. He was the guy who brought dad the report. So whenever the 11 got in trouble, probably the 10, because Benjamin was really young, whenever the 10 got in trouble, it was J J Joseph who was the snitch. He told on them. They were not happy about this, because this is the kid who was prancing around with his coat of many colors, clearly showing that his dad had a special love for him. 
So their reply was, so you think you're going to be our king? They knew a thing or two about dreams too. He had another dream, if that wasn't enough, and he decides to share it again. Soon, Joseph had another dream, and again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, guys. He said, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time, he didn't even care to put himself as a, as a, a metaphor in the dream. He just said, me, 11 stars, the sun and the moon bowed before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered. Jacob knew how God spoke. He wondered what the dreams meant. Now, as the story goes, as soon as his brothers got over the jealousy, they hoisted him up on a chair and they supported his dream because they knew he deserved it. And they said, you're worth it, Joseph, because a rising tide brings up all boats. No, that didn't happen. If you know the story, you know that did not happen. In fact, that rarely happens. No matter how millennial we get in this world, that'll rarely happen. I don't mean that as a compliment or as a critique, you know, but I mean that as, as, as a sense of community and sharing. That rarely happens. I'll, I'll, I'll challenge you to this. I'll challenge you to go to your friends, your close friends, and tell them that you had a dream. You had a dream that you were their boss and that you were in a big conference room and they were sitting in the conference room giving you reports and you were signing their checks. Tell your friends that and see what kind of reaction you'll get. Huh? They'll probably not say, hey, I'm all for that. Yes, let's do that. That's the kind of reaction they got. And this is, this is the thing. When you, when you have faith for what God places in your heart, when you have faith in the dream, the vision, the, the, the thing that you know you were meant to accomplish, the purpose of God for your life, faith will find friction. Faith will find resistance. Faith will find naysayers. Faith will find haters. And in the case of Joseph, his faith found murderers because his brothers plotted to kill him. They wanted to end his life. And so when they got a hold of him, they were about to do it. They were about to commit murder that's how jealous they were. That's how much they hated him. Reuben, the older brother, spoke some sense into them and said, what, what, are, we, what are you guys doing? Let's not do this. This is our brother. We, we, don't, we don't have to have their, his blood in our hands. Let's put him in the pit. Throw him in the pit. Give him a timeout. So they did that. But as soon as Reuben stepped out, a caravan of the Ishmaelites came by, and Judah said, hey, let's do this. Let's sell him as a slave. Joseph believed in a dream that God gave him. He believed in a vision that God gave him. And what he got in return as an act of mercy from his brothers is that he became a slave. He was sold into slavery out of pity because they would have killed him. Now imagine if Joseph was living by sight. This 
he had many opportunities following this to stop believing, to think the God of my father, the God of my grandfather, the God of my great grandfather, that's all a sham. Who are we? All we have is cattle and, and this, this dream, this idea that we're going to become a great nation. Now I believed in it. I believed in that dream like they believed in their dream. And what did that get me? I'm a slave. What followed were years, years of injustice, years of him being mistreated. If you know the story, you know that, G that Joseph, even though he was a slave, because he stayed in faith, he found some favor. There was a point where he was in the, in the house of one of the king's officials, Potiphar, and he was blessed. He was so favored that Potiphar decided to put him as the state manager. He was the manager of the whole property. But then Potiphar's wife wanted him for himself. And he had a chance. He had an opportunity. An opportunity to behave what he, to betray what he believed. He had an opportunity to say, hey, she's my boss. Got to do what she says. Or actually stay true to what he knew to be the right thing to do. So he rejected her. Because he had faith in the dream that got put in his heart. And what did he get? He was sent to jail. He was imprisoned. He was imprisoned. And even in prison, when he helped people in prison, Scripture says that he was forgotten. Thirteen years be between him having the dream and actually sitting on the throne. Joseph spent in nothing but faith, believing in what God spoke to him. Now, in the life of Joseph, we see the greater purpose of faith. And this is the thought that I want you to take home with you today. And I want you to just meditate on this thought. Because faith, as we see in the life of Joseph, faith is not a tool for us to shape our present circumstances. Faith is not a tool for us to control our future. Faith is not a tool for us to make our destiny come to pass however we envision it. Faith is actually the ability to embrace what God has already determined for our lives. The purpose that he has already placed for your life. That's what faith does. It shapes your reason. It shapes your thought process. It shapes your decision making. So that what you know to be true remains true to you no matter what circumstances tell you. No matter what your surroundings tell you. What God placed in your heart. You know that that is true. It's not standing on a fantasy, standing on wishful thinking, it's standing on a promise of your maker, of your heavenly father, of the one who made you. Like I said, in Joseph's case, there were 13 years between the dream and the dream coming to pass. So how do you and I do that? How do you and I live by faith, walk by faith? And not by sight. Well, we have to start with a decision. We have to decide what kind of people we want to be. You have to decide what kind of person you want to be. Every single day, every morning, you need to make that decision. Are you going to be someone generous? Are you going to stand in faith? Are you going to be kind? What's going to shape your reason? What will guide your judgment every single day? 
What will guide your emotions? What will guide your reactions as you live that day? As you proceed in your plans, as you follow your dream, what will guide you? You have to make that decision. Are you going to be a person that practices generosity? Are you going to be a person who is kind? Are you going to be someone who is joyful? Are you going to be someone who is loving? Or are you going to be stingy? Or are you going to hold on to what you're meant to give? Are you going to be judgmental, selfish, unkind? Or are you going to exude the kind of emotion, the kind of, of energy that you want to attract? See, Joseph was committed. He was committed to the kind of person who would get him to the destiny that God placed in his heart. And that's what we need to do, too. Now, this is something that we need to know about faith. If we are to live by faith, we need to understand this, that aside from eternal life, aside from the afterlife, aside from the promise of eternity found in Jesus, all application of faith involves somebody else. It will affect other people. Every single application of faith in your life will affect other people. And this is something that we need to understand because faith is not for ourselves alone. See, in our culture, we have been so deprived with actual love that there is a message, there is an idea that has been growing, this idea of self-love, being self-minded, self-indulging. And there is a healthy practice of you having a healthy self-esteem, being able to, to love what God placed in you and in the purpose of God for your life. There is, even in Scripture, the Scripture is embedded with practices that will keep your soul healthy. Meditation, reading Scriptures, prayer, you know, rest, all of that is embedded in Scripture, and, and there is a portion of that that is healthy. But here's the reality. This self-indulging, self-minded, self-love thought many times take us to a place of loneliness where everything is just about ourselves. And that's where faith clashes because if we have that mindset, we can look at the story of Joseph and we can think it like this. Good for you, Joseph. Good for you that you had a dream that you were going to be a king and you stuck through it. And no matter what everybody did to you, you became king and you sat on the throne and you got to control everything. Well, that wasn't the purpose. The whole reason why he was given the dream was so he could save his family. The whole purpose of him becoming the governor, becoming, having the power, was so that he could save the very people who made him a slave. The very purpose why they would bow before him was so that they would flee famine. Not only that, the dream that he had about becoming the person who people would bow before had a much broader scale. Because if you know the story, he was promoted to that position because he was able to interpret a dream that saved Egypt from famine. Seven years of famine they would have suffered if he wasn't for Joseph. So he actually saved the entire nation. His faith produced a result that wasn't for himself. It wasn't about him sitting on the throne and achieving. And No, it was about what that would produce in other people's minds. And we have to keep that in mind. We have to understand that 
the purpose of God for our lives will always drive us toward belonging. It will always drive us toward making a difference in other people's lives in a positive way. And your purpose, what you have in your heart, the dream that you have in your heart, no matter how much resistance you may find in your world around you, you might be called to bless the very person who rejected you, the very person who told you you couldn't do it, the very person who tried to put you down. You might be in a position one day to bless them. That's why we need to decide what kind of people we are going to be regardless of what goes on around us. As we decide that, as we wake up in the morning every day saying, God, I want to be the kind of person that you planned for me to be, the kind of person that you purposed me to be. I want to embrace the plan that you have for my life, and I'm going to live accordingly. I'm going to be the kind of person that will live accordingly. We need to understand that. Here's something else that will identify in your heart that you, too, were made to live by faith and not by sight, just like Joseph. Is that when you dreamed about your future, whether you were a child, a teenager, or even as an adult, when you dreamed about your future, you never dreamed about you being somewhere by yourself, loving yourself, embracing yourself, kissing yourself, and spending good time with yourself. No. You dreamed about good friendships. You dreamed about being with somebody that you can share your life with. You dream about having a family. You dreamed about creating something that would impact people. You dreamed about starting a company or a product that would affect people in a positive way, that would change the world in a, in a way that, that would bless people's lives. That's what you dreamed about. So even within the dreams that you had, whether you knew God or not, the seeds that he put in your heart were about blessing the world and faith is what will get you there, not sight. Because you can find elements in your life, you can find elements in your journey where if you were to live by sight, if you were to look around for possibilities, look around for things that would encourage you to actually believe in what you can't see, you wouldn't find it. You would have quit it a long time ago. But something kept you awake at night. Something in your heart kept you going. And you might have not been able to identify it, but that's your desire to connect to God's purpose for your life. And I got to tell you, the way to achieve what God has already placed in you is through faith. Because when you commit to living by faith, your reason will be shaped so that you are able to accomplish, achieve, and commit to the final goal and God's purpose for your life, no matter what the present situations tell you. So I want you to know this. I'm not speaking against reason this morning. What I do want us to understand together, whether you arrive at this conclusion today or a few days or months from now, is that reason is a servant. No matter how smart we are, our reason is a servant. It'll, it'll, it'll follow, whether it will follow our sight, whether it will follow our faith, it'll follow something. 
our reason will serve. And my appeal to you is this. Let your reason serve God through faith. Let your reason serve God's plan for your life. Because he does have a plan for your life. Let your decision making, let your everyday effort be toward his plan for your life. Maybe you're here today and you might be feeling like Joseph. You know, C.S. Lewis said that mere feeling will continue to assault our conviction. And whether you had things around you or even your thoughts in your own mind, whether you stand on faith and you try to stand on faith or whether you're living by sight, your emotions will attack your convictions. There's always going to be that day where you were gonna, you, you think, is this really going to happen? Like, is this really what I'm meant to do? Is, is generosity really the way to go? Is, is this idea really going to come to pass? Is this dream that God gave me really supposed to be accomplished by me? Whether you're just passing on the baton, keeping the dream alive like Joseph, like Jacob, or whether you're supposed to sit on the throne like Joseph. You need to understand that each one of our purposes, they're not only connected, but they're bigger than ourselves. They are part of God's bigger plan for mankind. And he is committed to you. He is committed to you. I want to tell you this. Just like he told Jacob when Jacob was alone, didn't even have a hope for a family, didn't know that he was going to have be the, the, the father of the 12 tribes, that his name was going to be changed to Israel, that his very name would be the name of the nation, that God would bring Jesus, his Savior, his son, into. They didn't know that he was any of that. They didn't know that his promise was actually for the Savior of our souls, the Savior of humanity, that the blessing that would come to every single people on the earth would be what we're celebrating here today in 2016. He didn't know that. But this is what God told him. And this is what God is telling you and I. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And maybe you have gone through things that made you, made your faith dim, your belief dim. Just let this sink in. God will not leave you. He's with you. So keep going. Keep believing. Keep dreaming. Because God is with you and you are not alone. You are not alone. We're about to start a new year, 2017. A lot of people like to make resolutions. and Make your resolution to live by faith, not by sight. To not overlook the circumstances but to believe through circumstances, through difficulties, through challenges, you will keep believing in the dream and the purpose that God has for your life because he will never leave you until it comes to pass. Do you believe it this morning? Do you receive it this morning? Let's all stand together, please. If you don't mind.